The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Let me invite on to the show Kayin Skoltz, who is the chair of the steering committee at Real Reform for the Early Childhood Development Campaign. Kayin, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to your listeners at home. Let's talk about this latest index, Thrive by Five Index. And it really is a survey, a representative survey, that gives us a picture of the development outcomes for children aged between four and five. And unfortunately, the findings of this re- of the survey um, are, are not encouraging. Let's talk about some of the key findings, at least, that have caught your eye. Um, so I think, uh, you know, there are lots of um, really interesting elements of the findings, but I think the, the high-level summary is around two-thirds of children are falling behind, um, particularly in terms of fine motor coordination and visual motor integration, as well as emergent numeracy and mathematics. And I think um, critically, we can also see that uh, a quarter of children are still um, stunted uh, in terms of their height for age. And this is a finding that's been true uh, pretty much since democracy. So it's it's awful to see that those stunting rates are still uh, very much the same as they have been. When we look at this issue of, of two-thirds of, of young children, according to this uh, study, that are falling behind in as far as their developmental outcomes, of course, there's a distinction between those children who are from poor communities or who are considered to be from poorer families than those who are perhaps middle and high-income families. Yes, um, I think that's a really important part of the findings is that um, we can see that, uh, as with many things in South Africa, being wealthier um, is protective. Uh, It can really ensure that you um, do better throughout the course of your life. Uh, Families with more resources can uh, really ensure that they support their children more, and families without those resources really struggle to um, ensure that their children have really good quality uh, early childhood experiences. Uh, So I think Critical to that is that this is where the South African government really have to play a role in ensuring that young children really do have equitable opportunities. Otherwise, these um, deficits that we see in early childhood development can really be a problem for throughout the course of an child's whole life. Um, and we don't want to see uh, children entering the labor market or children in the schooling system who are behind their peers simply because they grew up in families that were poorer. Why are these skills of fine motor coordination and visual motor integration, why are they so crucial as as the foundation for future learning of of young children? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And I think um, really something important to always bear in mind is that um, our brain development is, when we're very young, um, this is a period of immense brain development and it really sets us up for future success. So when it comes to fine motor coordination, that's um, essentially the ability to manage um, small, minute um, motor tasks um, with with your hands, typically. Uh, And this means that your ability to um, be successful in in physical skills is very much determined by that. And then in terms of emergence, numeracy, and mathematics, we can see how that would really be the base, um, the foundation for all future mathematical logic uh, reasoning um, that important skill set then becomes the basis for how we perform within schools and then also within universities. So both of those skill sets are really critical and I think particularly influenced by early learning environments. Um, and essentially what we we are saying is that these challenges that we're seeing 
between the ages of four to five are not that unexpected, considering that a minority of children are, in fact, in registered early learning programs and receiving a state subsidy for their, their attendance. Mm. You talk about 65% of children falling behind here, according to this uh, index. Do we know whether these are children who are part of uh, early childhood develop who are in ECDs, early childhood development centres, or, or not? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, I personally haven't seen the, um, to see whether or not there's a an association between early learning um being present in an early learning uh, care setting or whether that can, um, based on these results, can improve children's results. But we have seen recent um, survey results that show that essentially being in an early learning setting in South Africa does have a positive influence on child development outcomes. So there has been recent research on that published. So it does show that being in an early learning setting can really make that improvement. And I think internationally, um, there's a Nobel laureate, James Heckman, has shown that essentially being in a high-quality early childhood development setting um, is really highly associated with, particularly for children in marginalized backgrounds, um, achieving uh, better quality outcomes throughout the course of their life. So we do have both an international body of research and local research suggesting that attending early childhood development centers is beneficial. And I think critically, it's particularly beneficial when um, families don't necessarily have significant resources to look after children at home. Um, so it it can also help um, to mitigate against some of the, the challenges and stresses in, in home situations. I want us to look at this figure, and it's about the number of children who are under five who don't have any access uh, to early learning programs, and that's 3.2 million children in this country, right? That's a very high number of children to not have any access to any form of, of, of learning program, programs. Why is that number still so high when we have seen, uh, you know, a lot of attention paid to early childhood development in this country? It's part of why, uh, you know, these centers are now being integrated into the Department of, of Basic Education. So there's been that change and acknowledgement from a policy perspective, uh, but, you know, we still have so many people, so many young children out of the system. Mm. No, it's a really important point, and I think we have to understand this from a historical perspective. For many years, early child development was seen as a responsibility of the family, uh, and it's only increasingly now that we're seeing the critical benefits that um, young children can receive from early childhood development centers that we're starting to realize that the state does have an important role to play here, and particularly in addressing um, inequality and ensuring that young children from marginalized backgrounds have the same opportunities. Um, but it is a very high number of children who don't um, currently receive any any form of early learning. And then there's even more, 2.5 million children who who those are the ones who do, but only 600,000 of them receive um, the early learning subsidy from the Department of, of uh, Basic Education. So it shows that um, you know the majority of children are not in early learning programs. Um, they should have access to those programs. Those who are in early learning programs should have access to subsidized um, programs. And this is really what the Real Reform for ECD campaign are trying to advocate for. We're trying to ensure that more early learning programs are brought into the regulatory net so that they can receive those subsidies so that um, children can receive that higher quality care that's then possible. I mean, the question here is really how do we improve 
um, access to early learning for millions of, of children to ensure that these outcomes that we're discussing here today do not continue to have the kind of impact on generations of, of, of children in, in this country. We'll continue the conversation uh, with Kayin Skoltz, who is the chair of the steering committee at Real Reform uh, for the Early Childhood Development Campaign after this break. The Talking Point with Kathimo Sasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We're focusing on early childhood development and the Thrive by Five index that unfortunately has painted a somewhat grim picture of where we are when it comes to this conversation. I'll also get your thoughts on it and what it is that we can be doing as a country to better improve access to any form of early learning programs for young children, especially under the age of five. As you heard with the research earlier, two-thirds of South Africa's children are said to be falling behind in terms of their developmental outcomes. I'll be taking your calls on 011-714-2006 on the WhatsApp line 614 and on Twitter it's at SFM Radio, the hashtag there. SAFM talking point. Kayan, what have you found is the big difference between those children who are in early, you know, childhood development centers that are being subsidized by government and those that are not? So what are the differences in terms of what they're actually receiving uh, in, in, in those programs? Mm-hmm. No, it's a really important question. And I think, um, you know, we have to always bear in mind that in South Africa, about 55% of the po- population are under the minimum, um, po- the poverty threshold. And so the fees that, that most ECD programs can charge is are very, very low. And so the ECD subsidies essentially allow uh, ECD programs to offer um, high quality services. What that often means is that they can offer food uh, at the ECD program, which is important for the nutrition, as we spoke about the stunting rates earlier. Um, they can also pay their early child development practitioners higher salaries, which typically means that people stay longer. Uh, and that also means that they can hire more qualified practitioners and people who are able to stimulate those children uh, well and can care for those children really with um, you know, important um, sensitivity to the child's needs. Uh, and then I think the other thing to bear in mind is that ECB programs that then become more sustainable, they're able to um, cover costs. For example, um, they can upgrade their infrastructure over time. Uh, they can uh, cover things like electricity and water costs, and they can essentially improve their ECD programs over the long term. So um, there has been research that looks at registered versus unregistered programs, and they do tend to find that um, program registration is really a valuable um, determinant then of um, sustainability and care. Um, yeah, so essentially it's something that the campaign for real reform for ECD are, are very uh, invested in, is trying to ensure that all ECD programs are then able to uh, access that early childhood development subsidy from the state. One of the things that doesn't seem to be getting I- enough attention, at least not to meet the scale of, of the problem that we're facing, is that of stunting. You've talked about it, a quarter of children Um, being stunted in South Africa. That's 25%. It seems to me that 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 number is very, very high because it's it's linked to 
the nutrition that children are able to access. And, and it, it basically is saying that 25% of our children are, are malnutrition. Mm. Yeah, and that has huge effects um, for a child on the course of their, their life. Um, malnutrition, you know, if a child is physically stunted, that can have uh, brain development effects. That can obviously affect their physical, I mean, that is a sign of physical um, development uh, deficits. And while some effects of stunting can be caught up throughout the course of your life, uh, the problem is that these early childhood development effects um, can also then um, essentially reduce your, your success in other tasks as you grow older. And it is a huge problem, as you're saying. And the problem is it's partly related to malnutrition and some parts of that is uh, what we call micronutrients. Um, So it's not just, you know, are you able to eat enough, but are you able to eat enough of the right foods? Um, But then it's also uh, often related to infections. Um, People can have worms, they can get infections that make it difficult for them to uh, digest all the the nutrients that are in their diet. Um, And then it can have, um, you know, effects, things like uh, drinking poor quality water, um, all of those sorts of things can play into it. And the problem with with, um, malnutrition is really that this is something that can really have an effect uh, even when the child is in utero. Um, So before the the mother gives birth to a young child, uh, her nutrition plays a role on child development. And then obviously in breastfeeding, um, that also then plays a role on child um, physical development. So it's a very difficult problem to solve, hence why we've seen uh, stunting rates have stayed very, very high. Um, since democracy. But I think here, you know, the opportunity really is to look at ensuring that all registered, all, all ECD programs, registered or unregistered, receive um, food uh, in a similar way to the National School Nutrition Program and the way that is delivered in the basic education system. What are, what are some of the solutions that you are bringing to the table, Kayin, in responding to these challenges? Uh, yeah, so I think, um, you know, the, the Campaign for Real Reform for ECD have five um, recommendations, and we, we must recognize that the Department of Basic Education are similarly very interested in uh, trying to solve these challenges, so we do, um, you know, believe it's possible to work hand-in-hand with the department. Um, but our recommendations are that we need a one-step registration process for ECD providers, and the majority of ECD providers are in unregistered ECD centers, and they need to be registered. Um, all children attending any type of ECD program should be able to access the early learning subsidy if they need it. Uh, we need simpler, adequate health and safety program standards that must be in place and must be accessible through one process. Um, currently, uh, if you're unable to get registered, um, basically that the problem sits with you as an ECD program, but sometimes you need resources in order to build a physical space that is safe for children. And so we believe that you must be able to get conditional registration if you can't meet the registration requirements and that the provincial NECs must be able to support providers to meet the requirements um, so that they get that support that they need in order to get registered. And then lastly, we believe that the infrastructure needs of the ECD sector must be supported. And you'll know that in the basic education system, the department provides schools, uh, primary schools and high schools for for young children. Uh, And that's often not the case in the ECD sector. These um, Often ECD providers are operating out of their personal residences um, and physical space can be a real challenge. So all of these are parts of the puzzle from ensuring that more children can get access to high quality ECD and that, um, yeah, that essentially their outcomes can improve throughout mm-hmm. the course of their life. When I look at your recommendations, they seem to center around how we see ECD centers um, being run in communities. And there's been 
a, a big issue around, you know, ECD centers being in, in people's homes. As you have said, in some instances, uh, you know, officials have gone to shut some of these ECD centers down because they're not compliant, at least with what is uh, prescribed in legislation. They don't meet what the department considers to be some of the basic standards. And yet at the same time, we know that these, at least a lot of these centers, are not dealing with, with big budgets. Where's the middle ground here? How do we ensure that there is some form of regulation and we avoid some of the, um, the, the, the incidents that have taken place at some of these centers, while at the same time uh, we give um, uh, these centers an opportunity to operate? Yeah, no, this is a really important question, and we've certainly seen this in the basic education system with children um, dying in pit toilets. Um, we, we definitely don't want to see uh, that happening in the, the, the childhood sector either. Uh, and so essentially what we're saying here is that ECD programs typically want to operate at a high level of quality. They typically want to deliver services, um, safe services for children. Mm. And we, we understand, obviously, the concern around health and safety, and we need to make sure that when you leave your child in the care of another person, that that child is safe. Uh, at the same time, some of the standards that currently exist, there's a mix between standards um, and reg- norms and regulations from the Children's Act, as well as uh, provincial by uh, sorry municipal bylaws, um, and so these these can kind of sometimes be um, quite onerous and difficult to meet. For example, sometimes there are requirements that ECD programs have parking uh, when children in that ECD program do not need parking in order to attend the ECD program, and it's those sorts of municipal we call municipal flexibilities that would allow some ECD programs to be registered. Um, things like accepting hand-drawn building plans. Um, there are kind of more practical solutions when you take into account the reality of the South African context, which wouldn't necessarily compromise on safety, but would reduce red tape and administration. Um, and essentially, you know, we, we believe that it is possible also for the state to then support ECD programs to achieve those minimum standards. Currently, it's very much on ECD programs to be able to achieve um, the, the, the minimum, minimum registration standards. And if you can imagine operating with the very, very small fees that ECD programs charge, you can imagine how difficult it would be to invest in your ECD structure to ensure that it is safe for children to attend there. Um, So there is what we would call pre-registration support um, that the state can provide to ECD programs to ensure that there are safe spaces for children. Um, So we think that a mixture of those solutions can really help here. We'll continue the conversation with Kayan Skoltz and I'll also take your calls on 011-714-2006. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point and we're looking at the Thrive by Five index that has found that two-thirds of South Africa's children are falling behind when it comes to their developmental outcomes, which, of course, has long-term effects on their ability to learn in the future. Let me go to the phone lines. Aisha in Uppington. Good morning, Aisha. Morning, Kathy. Yes. Uh, uh, and good morning to your guests. Kathy, the position is this. You have ECDs in mud uh, rondavo. Mm-hmm. You have ECDs in little uh, one room in the house. Where do I begin? 
They must change the rules. They mustn't force the people to register for rules which they know the people can never comply with. Hmm? And in the meantime, our children are being stunted. 25% stunting. That is shocking, Kathy. That means 25% of our children are starving. Exclamation mark. <laughs> exactly, Aisha. Exactly. It, it's such a big problem. It's such a big you problem. You must do a program just on that stunting, please. Mm, mm. Uh, um, wait, let me get back to the thing that you're talking about now. They must change the rules so that it's, it's easier for people to register. They must provide food like they do at the schools to all of the ECDs. No? That is, that is basically what, what I want to say. And the fine motor skills that he's talking about and uh, all of that. In the rural areas, the children learn that anyway through, through, the, uh, through what they get taught from the elders. So I, I wouldn't be worried about that too much. But the stunting I am worried about. Thank you, Cassie. All right, Aisha. Thanks for that call. I suppose the difficulty is that, you know, with the introduction of, of, of legislation, important legislation to govern, you know, what should be happening at ECD centers, you then uh, in, one, in some way saw the, the closure of a lot of centers, including in your rural settings, because they were found to just simply not be compliant. Kayan, what have you found in that regard? Yeah, I think this is a really important point, and it is something, you know, we, um, obviously there need to be um, minimum standards that are absolutely, you know, for child safety need to be in place, but it's about the simplicity of those standards, the ability of ECD programs to achieve them, so to, to receive the support to achieve them, and then when those standards are not um, actually associated with um, child safety or child um, with um, quality of learning, um, to then to be to accept that that some of those standards will not necessarily all be met. Um, so we have certainly seen that um, you know there's recently been this uh, ECD census in South Africa that's uh, looked at all the ECD programs across the country, and we're for the first time actually able to see. Uh, how many ECD programs there are in South Africa, and essentially we need to be able to move towards ensuring that more of those ECD programs are registered, that they are supported to be registered, um, and that uh, the, the standards for registration are appropriate. And what we're actually quite excited about is the, the Children's um, Amendment Bill, which is a, um, a update to the Children's Act. Um, there is an opportunity to change some of the norms and standards around registration, and we have been working with the department uh, to try and update some of the um, both the legislation and the associated norms and standards for the ECD sector so that they are uh, clearer, more consistent, uh, less complex, um, because often that is some of the challenges that ECD programs experience. Let me go to Bishop Politi in Kabeja. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning to your guest. How are you? I'm well, thank you, sir. Go for it. Thank you very much. Um, my question would not be relevant to to this topic, but the, 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 what I want to know, um, does this ECD involve uh, children with autism? 
children of this age that are at the ECD centers or are they having a different program? But children of autism, uh, with, auti- with autism, where do they uh, belong mm. in terms of ECD? Thank you very much, Kathy. So, 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 Bishop Koliti, just to just to verify, are you asking if if children with autism were included in the actual survey, or what the figures are in terms of the ability to gain access to early childhood development centres? Yes, Kathy. My question is exactly that. Okay. I'm asking where do they where do mm. they fall? Children with autism. All right. Are they not? Were they not in this research, or where can he help me? Where do they fall? Mm. All right. Yeah, children with autism. Thank, thanks for that. And, and Kayan, it's, it's again a, another important a group of children here because we know that these children, more often than not, are not able to gain access to early childhood development centers that cater to their needs. Mm. No, certainly. Uh, so this is often what is called inclusiveness within the early childhood development sector, and it's a, a core issue, and there are lots of um, important ECD advocates that are constantly reminding us that we need to ensure that ECD programs are inclusive. And particularly um, because at such a young age, ECD programs, uh, sometimes it can struggle to identify children with developmental delays or children with um, disabilities. Uh, it is it is very important that we have both training for ECD practitioners, but also then resources for ECD programs that they can operate, um, that they can provide good quality services for children with these special needs. Um, I would say, uh, yeah, it is certainly something where I, I think there's a lot that can be done to improve that work. Uh, I don't know that, um, you know, at the moment, South Africa is especially well equipped to be able to handle children with, with all different needs. But it's, it is definitely something that, that needs to happen in the journey as we go forward. What happens if we do nothing about the situation, if we do nothing about these numbers? Yeah, I, I really like that question, and I think it's something that we can already see some of the consequences of. I mean, this is, while we now know that two-thirds of children are not uh, developmentally on track to thrive by the time that they enter school, um, we this has been the case for the last 20 years uh, or more, and we can see how this um, affects our school results. We have um, the PEARLS and the TINS international school results, which show that South African children really do struggle both with literacy and numeracy. In schools, uh, we can see our matric results and the fact that um, a high number of children fail before they even get to matric. And then at the university, a high proportion of children fail, um, or young people really fail their university qualifications. And um, all of these challenges, you know, I wouldn't say they're exclusively tra- traceable back to early childhood development, but the deficits that children start out with in in before they reach school. Um, then make it more difficult for teachers in, in primary schools and teachers in high schools and teachers in universities to really catch up those gaps. And often they uh, accumulate over time and they make it more and more difficult um, for a child going through the, the education system. So I think really what we need to think about is, you know, can we afford to not um, invest in, in children at this age? I mean, it's the most ethical thing to do, but it's also um, the best thing for South Africa's future growth and for the the health and, um, you know, if we want to pre- reduce poverty in South Africa, then I think investing in early childhood development is a core 
way to do that. Mm. Well, I suppose at the end of the day, it also speaks to the commitment that we as a country have to our children, because if we don't want, if we continue to let them down, at least in the way that we have, then those consequences are going to be for us to to also live with in the future. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, Kayan Scholtz, who is with the Early Childhood Development uh, Campaign, and I certainly hope that uh, we will begin to see change uh, in, in providing greater access two early childhood development programs uh, for children under the age of five. It's midday. It's time for me to hand you over to the update at noon. The Talking Point is back with you again tomorrow morning.